With Hashem's assistance, we're learning Kedushin Daf Samaches, page 68. We begin the last two words of Samach Zayin on page 67b. Ihachi. If what we just said is true, and what we just said was that if someone has, if someone would try to be in a relationship with someone, where if they're in that relationship, so there's a chiv of krisus, there's a obligation, or there's a punishment of spiritual excision. So we said that in such a case, so the Kedushin, if someone tries to marry such a woman, so the Kedushin will not take effect. So if that's the case, on to 68a, Afilu Nido Nami. Even if someone tries to marry a woman who is menstruating, or if let's say that she, he has a child as it's a result of a relationship with a woman who is menstruous and had not gone in the mikvah, so then the child should be a mamzer. Heaven forbid. Abai said that who everyone agrees, everyone agrees that if someone has relations with a woman who uh, went didn't go in the mikvah or with a sota, the child is not considered a mamzer, even though it's a forbidden relationship. Why is that? Amar Chizkia, Amar says like this: the following verse, Utihini dasa alav. It says in the verse. And if her menstruous blood shall be upon him, so we learned the verse to mean like this. Even when she's a nida, the word says, Tihi shall be. This teaches us that you can indeed create a relationship of marriage, which is referred to as Havaya, of being. Now you're called that you are married, even though she's menstruous. That's what this verse teaches us. Now, you want to learn out all of the other cases we said in the previous daf. You want to learn out from Achos Isha, from someone who tries to marry the sister of his wife. That that's forbidden and doesn't work. So we want to learn that out to everywhere else where it's chayv krisis, where you have spiritual excision. Why are we comparing it, connecting it to someone who tries to marry his sister's wife, his wife's sister, I'm sorry. Why don't we connect it to Nido where we see that by Nido, in fact, you can get married even though spiritual is, there is spiritual excision, there is Christos. Our answer is, if we have a choice between connecting all the other cases to a case which is more lenient, or we can choose to connect it to a case which is more stringent, so we choose the case which is more stringent. So that's why we connect it to Achaus Isha. So that teaches us that in all places that the Kedushin, the marriage, in fact, will not take effect. Rav Achabar Yaakov Omar, Rav Achabar Yaakov says, We actually learn it out from a logical derivation from Yevama. Uma Yevama Shehibalav, when we're talking about Yevama, which is a forbidden thing, like Tafsiwa Kedushin, and Kedushin does not take effect, meaning if someone tries to, ha- to marry a woman who's Yevama, a woman who it's necessary to do the leveret marriage because her husband died and now so she's supposed to now marry her husband's brother because they had no children. So the halacha is she's not allowed to marry anyone else and if someone else tries to marry her the kudushin does not take effect. So So in our cases which are cases where there's a death penalty or there's spiritual excision so certainly it won't take effect. So the says wait if that's true why don't we say that it applies as well to all of the cases of lavin where there's a forbidden nature in the relationship and therefore let's say a Kohen should not be able to take effect the marriage that he tries to have with a woman who's a Grusha a divorcee Amr Papa Amr Papa says in regards to prohibitions that don't involve Krisus and don't involve uh, Mrs. Bezdin so it says explicitly the man will have two wives one of them he loves one of them he hates it doesn't mean literally that the man himself hates her but rather Rather, must be referring to the fact that the Hashem hates her. What does it mean? Is there something? Is there a person that Hashem hates? A person that Hashem loves? So rather, Elahuva. What does it mean? She's loved. Ahuva minisueha. Her 
marriage is appropriate. It's something that Hashem loves. Snua, what does it mean a woman who's hated? It doesn't mean that she herself is hated. Snua benisuah, that there's, uh, the marriage contains something which is hated by Hashem. What do we see? That the Torah refers to it as she shall be, she is considered married to him, even though there's a love, even though there's something that Hashem hates because he transgressed some kind of prohibition, nevertheless, it's considered that they're married. So that proves that whenever there's a love, they are considered married. Now the Gemara asks, according to who says that in fact, when we're talking about a prohibition, if someone tries to marry such a person that he's prohibited from marrying, in fact, does not take effect, what's he going to say that the case of these psukim that we just explained, we're talking about a case of prohibition where it does take effect, according to Rabbi Kiva, it doesn't. So how's he going to explain those psukim? The Gemara answers, we're talking about a widow who tried to marry a Kohen, a high priest, like the statement of Rabbi Simai, the we learned in a brisa. Rabbi Simai says, from all cases, Rabbi Kiva would create a case, a case of a bastard, except for an amana, a widow who marries a high priest. That the, the product of such a marriage is not going to be a mamzer. Because the Torah says, he shall not desecrate. There is a desecration. I mean, the child will be considered no longer a coin. But it doesn't create a state of bastard. So therefore, we can say that in the Pasuk, when it says, there's something that's evil, or is hated in the in the marriage. So we're talking about an Almana, the coin, a widow who married a high priest, because there, it does take effect, and it's hated by God. According to Rishavev, who says that, let us cry out against that he said that all cases where they can't have relations, so the child is considered a mamzer. So, if he's coming to exclude the statement of Rabbi Simoy, so everything works out good, because if he's only coming to say that even in the case of Amon al there still is mamzerus, even in a case where a widow marries a high priest, there still is going to be a case of the child's going to be a bastard. So, but there is still a case that you can say that the Mishnah, I'm sorry, the Psukim are talking about. What's the case of Snu Abin where it's hated by God, where it's Chayve uh, Asay? The Torah says that a third generation Mitzri, Egyptian convert, may come in. So that implies that a second generation or first generation may not. So when a man goes and marries a woman, let's say it was an Egyptian convert, first generation. So that's a prohibition. So that could be snu bin So that's hated in the marriage. So then it works out fine. But if he's coming to say his own thing, and he's coming to say, that even in a case where it's just an assay, that that's still considered the child is going to be a mamzer coin, so how's he going to establish that pasuk? What's the first going to be talking about? Where you have some kind of kedushin, something is going to take effect. What we're talking about a woman who had previously had relations with someone, and they're marrying a high priest. Why is it different in that case? Even though it's a forbidden case, why is it going to take effect? That it's a positive commandment, which is not the same for all people. And therefore, in such a case, it will indeed take effect. According to the rabbis, rather than saying that the verses are talking about a case where there are prohibitions, and therefore we prove from those verses that in fact uh, marriage will take effect, even though someone is uh, transgressing a prohibition, why don't we say it's talking about where a person is transgressing a positive commandment? So, 
this case of where a person is transgressing a positive commandment, what is the case? So if both wives are Egyptians, I mean Egyptian converts, then they're both hated by God. If one of them is an Egyptian convert and one of them is a Jewish wife, the verse says a person has two wives. This, this implies that the two wives are similar. If we're talking about a case where it's a woman who had previously had relations and she's marrying a high priest, does it say that the verse is talking about specifically a Kohen? So therefore, so we must be talking about a case where it's Chayve Lavin. That's the only way that we fit in. It's talking about a case of someone uh, transgressing the prohibition of marrying someone. Rabbi Kiva, and according to Rabbi Kiva, he had no choice. He had to say that that's the case. He had to lose the literal explanation of the verses. He was stuck, and therefore he had to save himself, so to speak. And therefore he established that the verse is talking about a case, which is very far off, but nevertheless, that's how he understands the verse. Now we continue. We said in the Mishnah that anyone who does not have the ability to get married, neither to, to this person who's trying to marry her or anyone else, so it doesn't, the child goes after the mother. How do we know that a maid servant goes after the mother? Rafuna says, the verse says, sit over here along with the uh, mule. The word im is like an equal sign. It's saying the people that we're talking about before are equal to the chamor, equal to the mule. So just like a mule has no yachas, is no, there's no connection between the child and the father. So it's over here by uh, a non-Jewish maidservant. So the, there's no yachas, there's no connection to the father. It goes after the mother. This drasha is actually a similar type of drasha that we have with the word S. This is all the explanation I'm giving here is according to the Torah Tamima. The word S and the word Im both mean with. Like S, with God did Noach go. So whenever you have the word S, you learn out S hatafel. S comes to include something which is secondary because S means with. So to over here, the word Im comes to teach you that there's something equal about the two sides because from the fact that the Torah says refers to some people along with the mule it's saying that there's a there's a equalization between the two sides. We find that there's no kedushin being chal, that nothing happens. So it sounds like what we actually learned then is not that the children are after her, but that the, the woman is not considered married, and therefore if there's, of course, not going to go after the father. We turn on to Samechas on page 68b. How do you know that the child is like her? Meaning that there is a yachas, there is a connection between the child and the mother, even though there's no connection between the child and the father. Because the verse says, The woman and the children will belong to the master. Meaning that we see that there's a connection between the mother and the child. How do we know that a non-Jewish woman also is going to be the same thing? Amar Kruk, because the verse says, You shall not marry them. So we see that you can't marry. We see that marriage does not take effect with a non-Jewish woman. How do we know that the child is like her? She, meaning a non-Jewish woman, will take away your son from me. Who are we worried about that she's going to take away your son? I mean, the Torah is talking is even saying, don't marry your son to a non-Jewish woman. Why? Because the non-Jewish woman is going to take away your Jewish son from Judaism. So that's only the son that we're worried about. But her son, I mean, the child that's a result of your son marrying a non-Jewish woman, we're not worried about. Why? Because that child is not called a Jew. So therefore, you can't even talk about the woman, this non-Jewish woman, taking away the grandchild from you because that child is called her child and not your child.
Omar Avinu, Ravina says, Shmamina, we can deduce from here, Ben Bitcha Habam and Avi Kachavim, the son of your daughter who comes from a non-Jew, Kari Bincha, he is called your son. Why? Because we're only saying that the problem is that your son is marrying a non-Jewish woman. And then the woman, the child that's created from that woman is considered a non-Jew. However, the son that's created from a non-Jewish man and via your Jewish daughter, so the daughter, the Jewish woman's child is going to be, in fact, a Jewish child. So Nedagamar asks, Would this imply that Ravina holds the Eved Abal Bas Yisrael, a non-Jewish person and a slave who has relations with a Jewish woman, Havlad Mamzer, the child is considered a Mamzer, meaning from the fact that we're saying that the child is Jewish and that there's no Yachas after the father, so that implies that the child is Jewish, meaning, and you can't go and take this child and convert him to Judaism and take off whatever previous uh, invalid status that he had. So that would imply that there's a negative status because of the father and therefore the child could be a Mamzer. Grant that he's not considered a complete, full-fledged kosher Jew. Why? Because his father is not a Jew. Mamzer lehabi, but he's also not a bastard. Apostle Mikri, he's just called someone who is apostle. Apostle means that he's lacking in his yichus, he's lacking in his Jewish lineage. Now the Gemara asks, That person is talking about the seven nations. That you can't, that if you have a seven nations person, so any of those seven nations, their child is going to be, if it's a man, the child is going to be Jewish, if it's a Jewish woman, and if it's a seven nations woman, so the child is going to be a non-Jew. How do we know Shara Umais Minalan? How do we know all other nations? Omar Kar, the verse says, Bincha, he shall take away your son. is So this is coming to include all of those who take away. Meaning the Torah did not have to say the words that he's going to take away your son. Obviously, that's why you can't marry a non-Jewish woman. He's going to take away your son, thus implying that your grand your grandson is not going to be a problem from this non-Jewish woman. So why did the Torah have to say this? explanation, if we already could figure out the explanation on our own. So that's coming to teach you that it's coming to include anyone who tries to take away, even if they're not from the seven nations. Shalagimara says, wait, honey, Rabbi Shimon, time of the crop. Let's go to coin to Rabbi Shimon, who in fact, if the Torah wouldn't have said it, so we would have given our own explanation, we would have figured this concept out on our own. Therefore, the verse saying it, giving the explanation of why, it comes to teach us this extra thing. But according to the rabbis, who say that we don't, we're not time of the crop, we don't try to figure things out, so this verse is not extra, we really need to know it. My time, so how do we know that in fact any other nation the child is going to go after is going to be a non-Jew if the mother is not Jewish? The verse says In regards to the Eishis Yifas Torah who is a non-Jewish woman so it says after this whole process which is talking about the Giur the conversion process of this woman who is not Jewish so then you're allowed to have relations with her you're allowed to marry her. We can deduce that originally you couldn't marry her. So now we know that all the other nations you can't create a Kedushan the marriage will not take effect. How do we know the child is going to be non-Jewish as well? Because the verse says, When there shall be to a man, and and shall be born to him. Whenever we have that there is, in fact, a marriage, Kisiana means it shall be, they shall be married. So then we can talk about that it's considered married, that the child is considered his child. And whenever we don't have a concept of marriage taking effect, the child also will not be Messiahes, the lineage will not go after the father. So therefore, by a non Jewish woman, since you can't marry her, so then you also cannot, uh, the child is not going to be considered your child. So the Gemara says, Ihachi, if so, Shifcha Nami. So then in regards to a maid servant, also we could learn that from this Pasuk. And Achanam the Gemara says, yes, it's true, we could. So what do I need? The verse, the woman and her child shall be to her master. What's it coming to teach us? Like the following Brisa. Onto the top of Samech Tesman, Alapish 
Let's say someone says to his maidservant, I'm freeing you, but I'm keeping your son as a slave. Hold the child is in fact like her, meaning the child is also free. You can't separate them. He can do that. And this is based on the verse, The woman and her child shall belong to the to the master. My Talmudah. So if this verse is going on the sages and they're saying that you can in fact do it, so how do we learn it out from the Apostle, from the verse, that the woman and her child shall belong to the master? That we don't see, all we see is that they're the same. How do we see that you can separate them? So Amar Rabbah, Rabbah says, Actually this verse is going back on Rabbi and it's a proof to Rabbi that in fact you cannot separate them, that if you free the mother, the child also goes out free. So that's what we need this verse for.